Hey, Cam. Yes, Alex. Did I tell you about when I lost my job at the calendar factory? No. Yeah, I got the sack because I took a couple of days off. There is nothing wrong with your listening device. Do not attempt to adjust the sound. We are controlling the transmission. If we wish to make it louder, we will bring up the volume. If we wish to make it softer, we will tune it to a whisper. For the next hour, sit quietly, and we will control all that you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your listening device. You are about to participate in a great adventure. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind with Chatting Average. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast with your hosts, Riley's Race and the Big Chop Man. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. For my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise, he did the match. He did the monster match. It was a graveyard smash. He did the mash. It caught on in a flash. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. My name's Alex, joined as always by the jack to my lantern, Mr. Cam Matthews. How are you doing, Cam? What chicken bacon? Oh, my God. Guys, blah, I'm going to start by saying that I'm totally not, like, a big holiday guy. I don't, like, do crazy decorations. Uh, but Cam is. <laughs> this is Halloween. This is Halloween. 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 You're welcome. So I'm going to I'm gonna let my co-host have his fun this week. Yeah! <laughs> Gotta have some kind of fun this week, Alex. Well, we still do have a little bit of baseball to watch, and uh, yeah, yeah, we do. Cam, I know you went to bed early last night, but I, um, I stayed up to watch the end of Game Four of the World Series, and oh my god, <laughs> it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Like it, it takes a pretty wild moment for me to be up off my couch yelling at the television for a game that my team's not playing in. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and when Randy Rosarena touched home plate to walk off for the Rays, I, I, I was I was screaming at the top of my lungs. It was one of the wildest plays I've ever seen, let alone in the bottom of the ninth of the World Series game with two outs. Let alone the fact that he did a barrel roll coming down to home. He did a full-on Kung Fu Panda rounding second, except it was in between <laughs> third and home. Yeah! Yeah! He... <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll describe the play as best I can. Um, batter for the Rays hits it into uh, into into right center, and ball gets down, and Mookie Betts misplays it, and actually kind of throws the ball about 15 yards to his left or his uh yeah his left. Um, and so center fielder who is Chris Taylor because. Cody Bellinger uh, woke up with a sore back and played DH. He was uh, having he, the six. He he runs and gets. <laughs> Jesus damn. <laughs> <laughs> I was I did not expect that. Um, Very nice. <laughs> so Chris Taylor runs and gets the ball. <laughs> Um, and, and for some reason can't make a throw from shallow right to home. So he hits the cutoff guy, cutoff guy who is in between first base and home plate makes such a bad throw that Will Smith at catcher cannot hang on to the ball. So it looked for a second, like a Rosarena was caught in a rundown between home and third. And then all of a sudden the ball goes flying 
and he he gets up off the ground and slides head first into home and just lays there and starts tapping on the plate after scoring the game winning run. It was give it a little tappy tap tap taparoo. It it I I still think the Dodgers are going to win this series, but if they don't, oh boy, if they don't, <laughs> that play is this... going to be played for for hundreds of years and well hard- and. and, and and here's 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 the one spooky thing I'll say. It's gonna haunt Dodgers fans for decades. Well, this entire game already, you know, is being put underneath a magnifying glass. Uh, questionable decisions by Dave Roberts. You know, if you want to look at it that way, um, Kenley Jansen is still an interesting choice to me. Like, I get that when he's good, he's good. But at at what point do you look at Jansen and say, okay? He's not as effective as a closer as he needs to be, you know. Like this, it it feels like stuff like this happens more and more often than not. The thing with the Dodgers bullpen, though, is, I mean, if not Jansen, who they have a ton of great relievers. Seriously, right? All all the credit in the world to them. They have a a stable of fantastic relief pitchers, but nobody. Nobody that I can think of is really going to be that ninth inning guy if not Kenley Jansen. Well, they got they got that young guy. Uh, what's his name? Throws I don't kind know of... if Bruce Star Greaterall. Yeah, I, I I think he could be. Um, I I, I, I think I... He could easily be. But I mean, the Braves got to him. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I, I've seen people this morning uh, questioning the taking Urias out early, so to speak. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I can't really evaluate last night because I didn't see it happen live. So everything I'm seeing is in hindsight and with, you know, context around it already. Um, you know, I, I've seen people questioning when they when Roberts brought in this guy versus that guy and I I, I don't know it, it a game like last night is very easy to be put under a magnifying glass um sure so I don't know but that's that's about one of the most heartbreaking ways to lose I can think of well and let me use this as an excuse to say this every manager in baseball makes bad bullpen decisions yeah (laughs) well i mean everything's everything's magnified at this point too you know every little scott for scott's here do you hear that bring the mic in close that's not how the grass should sound there's weeds everywhere in this lawn it's time to take action with Scott's Turf Builder Triple Action. It gets three jobs done at once, kills weeds, prevents crabgrass, and feeds your lawn so it keeps growing strong. Ah, oh, much better. Get a bag of Scott's Triple Action today. It's guaranteed, or your money back. Feed your lawn. Feed it. The whole thing is evaluated. So, well, I... I, I was saying that more specifically to the people who are still trying to run Brian Snicker out of town. Right. Like the, the reason that they're in the bullpen in the first place is because they're too inconsistent to be starters. Yep. So eventually yeah. even the best of relievers are going to look like a bad decision at some point. Yeah. Well, you know, it is what it is. Somehow. Somehow I always contract for Brian Snicker. Yeah. Somehow I always have the bad luck of missing out on moments like this. Like somehow I'm always sleepy boy. Yeah. So like somehow I'm always like asleep or doing something else when stuff like this happens. Uh, Like you remember a few years ago when uh, Virginia, as the number one seed, lost to the 16 seed. Oh yeah. I was asleep. UMBC. Yeah, yeah, I, I I was asleep. Like, first time in history that it ever happened, and I was sleeping. And I woke up, kid you not, to text, like, five or six texts from Josh Goldberg that morning. <laughs> and you could see, like, you could literally track the course of the game through the text that I got from him, where it was like, 
UVA not looking so great. Holy cow, are you watching this game? Please tell me you're awake. Oh, man, they actually did it. I can't believe you missed this. <laughs> yeah, that, that's usually uh, usually how, how my luck ends up being. So <laughs> That's awesome. There's there's that. Is it, though? Is it? No, I don't know. Hey, I mean, you know what is, is awesome, though? What's that? This, uh, this fine podcast you're listening to, Chatting Average. Hey, Woo! did you folks know that uh, we have a Patreon and a Teespring store? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so if you would like some fine Chatting Average merchandise, go to teespring.com slash store slash Chatting Average Podcast. Or if you would like to support this show monthly, go to patreon.com slash Chatting Average Podcast. See, I got it right this week. Hey, you remembered the name of our show. Yeah, yeah, I did. I was I was very <laughs> tired last week when we recorded, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, last week was uh, was not fun. But luckily, like I said in the intro last week, uh, time heals everything. Um, yeah. I'm still not happy about the Braves having lost in, in the NLCS, obviously, but you know, it's, it's, it's okay. It happens. Yeah. We're going to get past it. going to be a better team later. That's so, right. uh, saying that to say, Cam, I'm, I'm ready to start exploring, uh, some off season possibilities for the Braves. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can agree with that. All right, so let me pose this question to you. Okay. Uh, Braves have have a have a number of high-profile players from the 2020 team going into free agency in 2021. How are you going to prioritize <clears throat> re-signing them? Hmm. I so in knowing that Mike Soroka. Like Mike Soroka will be back next season, potentially even ready for opening day, as crazy as that sounds. Um, because as we learned this week, uh, AA is confident and Mike Soroka has already said he will be at spring training. So I feel like that is a great sign. But even not, like let's say at the absolute worst, you know, we're not going to get Soroka back till, I don't know, the middle of May. Okay. So the first, basically the first month and a half of the season, we're without Soroka. I think with Soroka coming back and with Freed, you know, getting that much better with some more experience, with Anderson getting that much better with more experience, I think with Kyle Wright really taking a big step next year because I feel like that's where he's headed. We saw flashes of it. Sure, his last appearance in this season wasn't great. But I think the moment just got away from him in in game three. That's all that happened. Um, I think Kyle Wright takes that next big step. So you've got four very formidable starters there at that point. I think it, in looking at that, that priority, how about Bryce be, Wilson? Yeah, yeah. And you get you've got you've got Bryce Wilson. You've got um, Huskari Noah um, chomping at the bit to go. Um, you've got did, Tucker did Davidson. He, did he go? Did he go to Nebraska? <laughs> that state would be so lucky to have Enoah as one of their own. <laughs> There's not a whole lot going on there, um, especially after yesterday's beating by Ohio State. Anyway, so if I'm uh, reading you correctly, starting pitchers are out as a priority for you right off the bat. Yeah, I, I think the priority going into the offseason is re-signing Ozoda. Um. I he he fit in so well. The offense saw such great production just from having him in the lineup. Uh, Freddie Freeman is gonna is gonna get an MVP trophy, and I think due in part to having a formidable hitter behind him the entire season. You know, I I don't think it's necessarily coincidental that Freddie has as good of a season as he does this year without having somebody like Ozuna batting either third or fourth behind him, you know, depending on where we were in the season. Well, I think and that, that helped. last year too with, with Donaldson batting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, Freddie was that much better last year having somebody behind him. So I, I think, I think the priority is re-signing Ozuna and getting that done fairly quickly. Um, And if, 
if not Ozuna, figuring out a game plan. Because I know that, I know when Donaldson went to the Twins, there was this belief that our lineup suddenly, no matter how you fill the void, gets worse. Well, even when we signed Ozuna, there was still the belief that it was a downgrade at that position. And rightfully so. I mean, there there were some question marks around Marcel coming into this year. I think he went above and beyond offensively better than Donaldson did last year. Um, you know, he's he's just maybe a few hits or a couple of homers away from really being tight in that MVP category or from, you know, looking at a batting title this year, which is crazy to think about. So I I trust AA to make make the proper moves there. You know, obviously the man knows that that gap has to be plugged in behind Freddie. Whether it's re-signing Ozuna to a three to four year extension, whether it's finding somebody else who fits in there well, who knows? You know, because um, the world was coming to an end when we lost lost Donaldson, but then Marcel worked out great. So who knows who potentially might fill that gap if not Marcel? So I think finding that big bat to continue to plug into that part of the lineup is priority number one. I think priority number two is keeping the bullpen as strong as it is. Um, I think, it, if I understand correctly, uh, Green and Melanson are heading into free agency. Is that correct? That is correct. So, um, we'd obviously love to have both, uh, but I I think if you have to choose one over the other, you I think you ride with, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can choose between two. Um, obviously, I you can. want to have. You're going. You're going with Melanson. You know I am. Okay. Okay. I mean that, and that, and that's fair. I, I don't think there's an invalid argument for going with either. People, you might know, think I, I'm joking about it when I say it on Twitter, but I honestly think that Mark Melanson is one of the best closers in all of baseball. And no, I mean I, I think that's a that's a completely fair sentiment. Um, so I think. Uh, figuring out the bullpen, uh, keeping it as strong as it is, because it cannot be understated how valuable that was this year for the Braves. Um, exactly. I, I I would even argue uh, that that by the time the postseason rolled around, the strength of our bullpen was more important to our success than the strength of our lineup. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I, so especially with you know with the lineup having its drought moments offensively. And then of course, with the starting rotation being as inconsistent or uncertain as it was this year, knowing that turning it over to the bullpen wasn't a death sentence in a game was a huge relief. So I think keeping that bullpen just as strong this year is going to be a huge deal. So I think plugging in the, the big bat, keeping the bullpen strong and then potentially looking at adding a middle of the rotation veteran type starter. Um, I've even seen the name Marcus Stroman thrown around um, in that. I've you know, thrown that name around. Yeah. In, in, in the, <laughs> in the, well, in the idea that maybe Stroman is looking for a one year prove it deal. And that's right in the Braves wheelhouse. And so I think a guy like Stroman, when you plug him at in at, you know, number three, theoretically, now you've got a five pitcher deep rotation and you are ready to rock for next year. So I, it doesn't have to be an ace um, at, at the beginning of this season. I think everybody looked at Trevor Bauer and said, oh, well, Trevor Bauer loves one year deals. One year deal will be perfect for the Braves. Trevor Bauer is not signing a one year deal after the season he just had. I really I, think he is actually. I, don't, I honest, honestly, I don't think he's doing it with the Braves. But, no, no, you, but you, when you he, think he I, when he says I, he's going to ride one year deals for for some time to come, I, I I think he's I don't think he's lying about that. I don't know. I well, keep in mind though, he said that you know one or two years ago before he had a literal Cy Young season. Somebody is going to throw a multi-year deal with a big number behind it that's going to be very hard to turn down. 
Well, the re- the reason I think he's gonna he- he's gonna go with one year deals is because right now, because of the season he had in 2020, it's gonna be a lot. You're you're gonna be able to get a lot more offers from teams with with one year ridiculous salary numbers, whether it be like one year 28 million, one year 32 million, or something crazy like right. that. You're going to be a lot more likely to get that from a lot of teams than you are, you know, multi-year deals with the same average annual value. Right. So I, but, I, I but, think but he's too, banking there's, there's on no... his performance holding up and yeah. and being able to ride out a few seasons of of getting that one team to pay you crazy money because of your performance last season. I mean... Especially see, this year. Yeah. Especially well, I, this year. And and yeah, that, free, free agent free agency is going to be really weird this year, I think. Like it, it's going to be, you know, revenues down across the league for teams. Obviously, um, I, AA has kind of already set the table with that, you know, and that he's not obviously he's not going to commit to saying anything and what they're going to do and that sort of thing. But he has already stated that we're going to have to see how things are panning out, you know, with revenue, with what next season is looking like. I I think partially what he's meaning by that is whether or not the DH will be back next year, which as of right now, it's not. Um, I mean, that, that could obviously change and I do think it will, but um, there's a lot to look at going into free agency this year. And, you know, AA is saying, obviously, of course, revenues down. Well, that's true for every team. True. So, um, who, kno- well, who knows this, how spending is going to look? The, this is where I'll jump in, at least with with my my theories. You know, every okay. throughout this whole pandemic deal, it seems like you know, day to day, everything can change. So that that's certainly not going to stop anytime soon. But you know, revenues are down across the league. There's no, there's no denying that, and and I expect the, the a significant majority of teams to operate with a lower payroll in 2021 than than they did going into 2020, uh, and and I include the Braves on that list. So what I think you're gonna see is a lot of players who are in line for a big contract like the like the Trevor Bowers of the world like Marcelo Zunas like like really any high profile player going into free agency right now and and I think they're going to be more willing to take those one year deals uh to just so they can sort of weather this storm go back on the market you know in a year maybe two years and and then go get their big money because they're gonna, there there aren't gonna be, you know, 25 teams lining up to give someone six years and 150, 200 million dollars right now. The, those uh, those contracts might be out there with teams like the Yankees, Red Sox, or Dodgers, but there there aren't gonna be a lot of them to be had. So right. so this is the off season where I expect Alex Anthopoulos to do some real damage on the on the free agent market because he's going to be able to to talk players into coming to Atlanta, pointing at the success of this past season, showing how they were just, you know, a whisker away from the World Series and talking someone into into signing, you know, a one year 15 to 20 million dollar deal to to come potentially win a championship and then go test the free agent market again. Because anyone that signs that deal with Atlanta, they're going to have an opportunity to showcase that talent on the largest possible stages, which is all you would ever want as a free agent player. So, but in terms of, in terms of priorities for the Braves in the off season, I, I mentioned this uh, during Cam's response, but I, I, number one for me is the bullpen without question. Um, I, 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 Think you do everything you can to re-sign, uh, to to re-sign both Green and Melanson. If you can't have both, my priority would be Melanson. He has been the picture of since you brought him into Atlanta. Shane Green has not. Uh, when he's been good, he's been very good, but he's kind of been all over the place. Um, so I, I try to lock down Melanson. Um, 
I'm going to go ahead and get this on the record. I do not think that the Braves are going to re-sign Marcelo Zuna. Uh, and, and I think that's okay. Uh, because, you know, like, like I mean, you it worked out not re-signing Josh Donaldson, which everybody exactly. thought we should have. Exactly. And, and someone, be it the Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, Cubs, one of those teams is going to figure out a way to offer this guy like six years, $150 million or something crazy like that. And, and the Braves just are not going to be in a position to offer up that contract, especially when you have to start looking at extensions for Freddie Freeman and Dansby Swanson and a few others. So, so what do we do then? We've obviously lost a big hole in there. There's a big hole in our lineup. If we lose Marcelo Zuna, there are options out there. There are are not going to be names that you're automatically going to regard as highly as you do today with Marcelo Zuna's name. But if we don't have the DH, I I think you you take another stab at Yasiel Puig, have him rotate into left field with Adam Duvall next season and and have a, a bench piece with a strong bat that can take over anywhere in the outfield if there's an injury that you have to get around. Uh, I think another option uh, for the exact same reason is Jock Peterson, uh, who's yep. going into free agency as well. Um, his his numbers with regular at-bats have been really, really good. He's averaging 30-plus home runs a season when he gets, you know, 300-plus at-bats. Uh, so, I, I mean, that, the, the, that was the pace that Marcelo Zuna was on this year. Like, he's... He could be that guy for us. Um, I'm not saying he will, but he could be. And and I think there's every reason to take a stab at someone like that. Uh, a, yeah, a thought- yeah I, I agree. I mean, and Anthopolis is no dummy. Um, no, 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 no. Like for every for every person screaming that, oh, we, we, you know, we need a we need a big bat. He he knows that. <laughs> he he is well aware, and you know, I don't know. Uh, I tend to want to see how things play out before getting all hot and bothered about it. (laughs) What? I wouldn't want you getting all hot and bothered on the show, Cam. Well, I mean, that's how Cody Bellinger didn't get to play in center field last night. He got all hot and bothered. Is it really? I haven't seen that story. Is that a story? (laughs) No, I think the excuse was that he slept wrong, which, of course, you know, people automatically start going. <laughs> no, I, I think he legit like maybe just hurt his back in his sleep somehow, but you know, I just, game four will forever be known as the sex game. Will it? Will it though? No, it won't. <laughs> it will not. But yeah, I think, uh, and just to to circle back to to offseason priorities, um, like Cam mentioned, there is a lot that hinges on a potential decision to keep or go back to not having uh, a DH in the National League. I I think if we do have a DH in the National League, there's about a 25% chance that we keep Ozuna. If we don't, I think that is absolute zero. Um, if there is a DH though, and Ozuna walks, there are names out there. Like, like we mentioned, Puig, Peterson, there's also a guy named Johannes Cespedes. That's going to be a free agent that can hit some baseballs by my understanding. Uh, that's a guy that you could take a one year flyer on plug into that spot and, and have a threat behind Freddie Freeman. I'm not saying he's going to come in and put up the numbers that Ozuna put up in 2020, but he's a threat. And that's really all you need behind your best hitter is is a threat. That that's going to get him to see pitches. It's a it's going to be interesting, which uh this time next week we will officially be in hot stove season. So Stove. What? Stove. Oh, I thought you yelled no. I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry." <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, yes. Hot stove season and all of the fake trade tweets. I can't wait. Hey, you know what you cook on a hot stove, right? Oh, God. What? Bacon. 
So if you want your uh, What's Shaking Bacon t-shirt, visit oh, teespring.com slash store slash chatting average podcast. Get yours today. You're just, you at the worst. Why? Because I'm trying to make us money? <laughs> no one's buying a What's Shaking Bacon shirt. Uh, somebody did. Tyler did, just specifically to spite me. I think specifically so I could buy him a beer at Chop Fest since he's underage. <laughs> Is there going to be a chop fest? I don't know. Ooh, and and here's a, another interesting question that uh, that that stems from that. And, and this is going to sound extreme, and it's it, it's kind of phrased that way, but okay. I, I think this is something you'll actually have to think about. Will okay. we ever see? <clears throat> a 162-game Major League Baseball season again. Yes. I think well, for- I, 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 I tend to agree, but I think there's a lot more of a chance of that not happening than a lot of people are thinking. Uh, I, I, think, I think Manfred's going to look at 2020 and see how exciting the expanded playoffs were. Um, see how ratings were up uh, because of the importance of each and every game. And I could see him making a a drastic decision like reducing the regular season based upon that. Yeah, but the ownership has to agree to that, though. And I think after this year, I mean, MLB MLB owners are there to make money. If you start allowing fans back, Ownership's going to make more money off of home playoff games than they are home regular season games. Well, didn't, so, I mean, didn't I, I Manfred that, just say yesterday, though, that he agrees that 16 teams is too much? I I, I thought I'd read the opposite, in fact. I, I thought I'd read that Manfred was considering keeping the expanded playoffs. Let's see. hope not. I do think it's too much. 16. I mean... Over half the league gets in. I I just, I don't know. Rob Manfred hopes to keep extended playoffs, extra innings format beyond 2020 season. Reported by Sports Illustrated on October 20th. Hmm. And and I think that there's more that comes along with expanded playoffs than, than just that at face value. I think if you keep the expanded playoffs, you're going to see a reduction in regular season games. If you want to get your uh, Fire Manfred shirt, visit teespring.com slash store slash chatting average podcast. Get yours today. Now that's a plug I can get behind. Plug. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, Cam, uh, if I recall correctly, I remember you saying that you had some extra spooky days in baseball history to go over. Indeed I do. Shall we? Let's do it. It is now time for some spooky baseball facts and stories and whatnot. Nailed it. Yeah, because it's, it's the week of Halloween, guys. So uh, rather than doing a typical this week in baseball history segment, I figured it would be fun to do some spooky baseball stuff. So that's what we're calling this segment. Spooky baseball stuff. <laughs> How we haven't been signed by a national media outlet yet, I, I, I'll i never understand. And some of you pay for this content. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. So um, in doing some research, uh, trying to find some interesting baseball ghost stories or, you know, macabre type events. Uh, did you know that the Baseball Hall of Fame is actually considered to be haunted? So, fun fact, the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame is a three-story brick building featuring a wide-ranging array of exhibits. The Hall of Fame also houses two theaters and a library. The hall has several exhibits that feature a history of haunting, including the plaque gallery, where the Ted Williams strike zone is displayed, and the records room. For those who believe in ghosts, the presence of spirits at the Hall of Fame should not be surprising, given the reverence for history and past accomplishment that is always on display. 
Of the 323 Hall of Fame members, over 200 are deceased. Many of these Hall of Fame Hall of Famers have personal items such as bats, balls, gloves, uniforms, helmets, and other sorted things featured in the museum's collection of over 40,000 artifacts. So, a good starting point to a ghostly tour of the hall is the centerpiece of the institution, the Platt Gallery. That brings us to the saga of Ty Cobb, who was part of the hall's inaugural class of electees in 1936, and whose plaque is housed in the rotunda at the far end of the gallery. As we know, it is indisputable that Cobb had a temper and a strong personality. There are those who believe that people with stronger personalities are more likely to come back as ghosts or spirits in their next incarnation. Some visitors of the Hall of Fame Rotunda have claimed to have heard a whispered voice coming from Ty Cobb's plaque. Though there are skeptics, some visitors wonder if the whispers are the sign of a ghostly activity and some kind of connection to Cobb. <laughs> spooky. So spooky. So spooky. Have you that ever been to Cooperstown, Cam? I have not. Uh, although I've I've looked at it extensively. I've actually so something really cool that I've looked at that would be really fun to do and a cool way to see you know a good chunk of the East Coast is to do a uh, train ride up to Cooperstown. I love long distance train rides. I've Super never done underrated one. form of travel. Yeah, so I've never done one and you know, and cost wise it probably comes out to be about the same as, you know, flying to New York essentially. It does, yeah. But what what's neat about it, you know, obviously is it's fairly scenic. Um it's you could literally do this trip in the course of a weekend the way it pans out that the train that I would take from North Carolina would reach um, New York City Grand Central Station by late Friday evening. So I would spend the night in New York City. And then there is a, sep- a, a train on Saturday morning that you then take to Cooperstown. So you'd be in Cooperstown by 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. You could spend the day doing all that. And then I think by four o'clock, you take the train back to New York city, stay one more night and then get on the train Sunday morning and be back in North Carolina by Sunday evening. So I feel like that would be a neat weekend trip that I might have to, that would be pretty cool. Um, you know, just a quick backpack trip one weekend. I might have to do that one day. Have you ever been? Uh, no, I have not. I, 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 Really wanted to go the year that uh, that that Chipper got in, but obviously missed that. Um, I think the the next time there is a uh, a Braves player inducted, I'll have to I'll have to make a special trip up there for that. So when, well, I don't know, Dale Murphy or Andrew Jones might have a chance. There's there's still <sighs> there's still potential it's a there. Crime! It is a crime that those men are not both in the Hall of Fame. I mean, you don't don't have to tell me twice. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, well, well, now that I know this thing about Ty Cobb's plaque, I'm definitely like gonna go and like get, get nice and up close to his plaque just to see if he whispers to me. <laughs> what if what if like what if you leaned your head in and Ty Cobb is like, how you doing, little mama? Let me whisper in here. Oh my god. <laughs> just like it's free real estate (laughs) tim and eric awesome show great job (laughs) (laughs) oh man this segment is a winner after this episode posts i I want you to tweet from the show account (laughs) and and say what is the creepiest thing that ty cobb (laughs) would whisper to you (laughs) And just see if <laughs> Okay. All right. I'll do that. <laughs> I'm sure we're not going to get, I'm sure we're going to get some very not safe for work. Oh, no, it's it's going to be an absolute mess. Okay. So, all right. We'll look forward to that. Um, if you are listening to this show on Monday morning, we will tweet that out Monday afternoon. <laughs> oh no. All right. 
So, moving on from one haunted building to another. Alex, did you know that in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the Fister Hotel, built in 1893, is considered... I was totally (laughs) going to make that joke in a few minutes, anyway. Uh, the hotel was built in 1893 and actually serves as the hotel for most uh, teams visiting the Brewers. All right. But it is also considered outside of baseball and in the baseball world to be one of the most haunted hotels in the country. So in hopes of creating the grandest hotel in the city, this is his real name, Guido Fister began work on the hotel in the late 19th century. He died a month before its opening, but his son Charles was determined to carry out his father's vision. It opened in 1893 and was immediately successful. It has hosted every sitting U.S. president during its esteemed history. Charles Pfister, who never married or had children of his own, worked tirelessly for the rest of his days to ensure his father's legacy carried on at the property. Charles even lived in one of the suites for many years and was the operations manager. And some say he never left the hotel after his death in 1927. Guests have described seeing an older, portly, well-dressed, smiling spirit who resembles Fister's photo or portrait still hanging in the hotel. He has been spotted overlooking the lobby as well as various other parts of the hotel and has become something of an adored figure in the city. Now, to tie this back into baseball, as I mentioned uh it is one of the hotels that most visiting teams actually stay at whenever they visit the Brewers on road trips. <clears throat> a few years ago, Michael Young was interviewed about the hotel, and he was quoted as saying, Listen, I'm not someone who spreads ghost stories, so I'm telling you this. It happened, Young said. A couple of years ago, I was lying in bed after a night game, and I was out. My room was locked, but I heard these footsteps inside my room stomping around. I'd heard all these stories about this hotel, so I was awake at this point. And then I heard it again, these footsteps on the floor. So I yelled out, hey, make yourself at home. Hang out. Have a seat. But do not wake me up, okay? After that, I didn't hear a thing for the rest of the night. I just I just let him know he was welcome, that we could be pals, that he could marinate in there for as long as he needed to, just as long as he didn't wake me up. So, Michael Young, uh, friends with ghosts. I mean, at least he was polite. Yeah. Um, Adrian Beltre has also been interviewed about the ghost at the Fister Hotel. And uh, Beltre reportedly uh, said that he experienced a haunting in 2001. The third baseman, quote, heard knocking noises at the door while the television and air conditioning repeatedly turned on and off. He also claimed to have heard pounding noises on the other side of his headboard, like a man hitting his open hand against the wood. So, Adrian Beltre, one of uh, baseball's more charismatic guys, experienced some uh, some ghostly activity. And then, uh, finally, the guy that would try to kill his teammates if they touched his head, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure we're talking about the same guy. Notice that he didn't mention anything about a ghost trying to do that, so even the ghost knew it wasn't a great idea to try to touch Adrian Beltre's head. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then finally we have Carlos Gomez. Um, Carlos Gomez is one of the most interesting men in baseball, and that apparently extends to when he's in the team hotel. Gomez has said he has heard voices while staying at the Fister, with the worst happening when he got out of the shower one year and heard static playing from his iPod. He grabbed the device, which he then changed to another song. He raced out of the room and into the lobby before even putting his pants on. I'm scared to go there, he said. They should change the hotel. Everybody here doesn't even like the hotel. Why do they always put us in the same hotel when you can't sleep? Everything's scary. Everything in there. The paintings, the pictures. It's a lot of old, crazy stuff. No good, man. No good. Unquote. (laughs) So... I feel like there should be more known about this, that it's just blatantly known that the Fister Hotel is haunted. And that's where these teams stay whenever they visit the Brewers. Huh. 
So I, 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 I mean, I've spent a lot of time in Milwaukee. I lived uh, north of Chicago for a while. I, I, I'm kind of surprised I've never heard of the place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, it's well over 100 years old at this point. Like I said, built in 1893. So interesting. I'm going to have to, like, start paying attention to more stories about this because I feel like there's bound to be more out there. Fun stuff. And, of course, it wouldn't be a this week segment if I didn't include something from this week in baseball history. So I've got one fun fact, and this occurred on October 31st, 2005. On Halloween night, former Red Sox general manager Theo Epstein, on the night of his first resignation from the Red Sox, eludes the media parked outside Fenway Park disguised in a gorilla suit. <laughs> At a future charity event, the Harry costume will be auctioned and will make $11,000 for the Jimmy Fund and Theo's Foundation to be named later. That's awesome. I love everything about that. So the man just waltzed out in a gorilla suit. <laughs> hey, is that Theo? <laughs> no, it's a gorilla. <laughs> so another thing to look at, which is kind of neat, as we all know, baseball is a very superstitious sport. Uh, you know, we know that you don't step on the white chalk when taking the field. We know that you don't mention a no hitter when a no hitter is happening. Uh, things of that nature, right? But there's also a fair share of curses within baseball. Um, you know, everybody knows the Billy Goat's curse, curse of the Bambino, but there's also some lesser known ones that are really fun. Uh, for instance, the Mets bobblehead curse. So, rumors of a curse have plagued the Mets for decades. It wasn't until 2002 when Gold's hor horseradish began producing commemorative Mets bobblehead dolls. However, that fans had a scapegoat upon which to heave their many woes. As Ken Belson of the New York Times details, nearly every Met who has ever been memorialized with a bobblehead doll has ended up fizzling out the following season. Mike Piazza was the first New York Met to have his likeness emblazoned on a bobblehead. The following year, he hit a piddling 11 home runs down from 33 the previous season. That's because he got off steroids. 2003 <laughs> 2003's winner, John Franco, went down with an injury. Uh, Kaz Matsui, Pedro Martinez, Paul DeLoca, Jason Bray all failed to live up to their hype after being enshrined in a figurine. 2009's Francisco Rodriguez injured his hand when he punched out his father-in-law. And 2011's Ike Davis was already on the disabled list when Golds announced that they were commemorating him with a bobblehead. The bobbleheads might be the least of the Mets' worries, however. Some fans swear that the team suffers from a curse that's even more pervasive. What else could explain such a promising team that has spent so many seasons at the bottom of the league? Many believe the Mets' curse is lifting, however. In June 2012, pitcher Johan Santana, who was 2012's bobblehead honoree, pitched a no-hitter for the first time in Mets' franchise history. While some say the Mets' curse endures, or until they win another World Series, uh, that is yet to be seen whether or not they're getting past it. So yeah, yeah, the Mets bobblehead curse. How about that? That that is awesome. I love that. It's like the it's like the Madden curse, but the baseball version. Yeah, yeah. It's uh. And, and very... let me also just throw this in there before we move on to the next one. Um, horseradish, an yeah. elite condiment. Um, yeah, yeah, like, it's a very, it's a very niche condiment, like, it has, it has its place, but it does it well. Throw some of that on a steak sandwich, and I'm a happy man. Horseradish is kind of like, kind of like Darren O'Day, all right? <laughs> I cannot okay. wait for the mental gymnastics this is gonna take. He's a little bit different. Not exactly everybody's cup of tea, but there he does one thing and one thing well. I'm I'm gonna throw you for a loop here. I'm gonna give you another uh, an, another way that I use horseradish that okay. is awesome. Uh, and I'll be doing this here in a couple of weeks when I cook for Thanksgiving. Okay. 
horseradish cheddar mashed potatoes. Okay, give give it like a little little kick. Yes. Interesting. It, you get the heaviness of the mashed potatoes and the cheese, but then you have the the acidic heat of the horseradish to cut through it all. It's so, it's awesome. So is that in place of like a heavy cream or milk? Like is that your your cream for the mashed potatoes? Or? I'll make I'll make normal mashed potatoes with butter and cream. Okay, okay, okay. I will add in uh, a bunch of prepared horseradish and white cheddar. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Real stuff. All right. Very cool. Very nice. Well, hey, uh, speaking of Thanksgiving and food, uh, Alex, do you like you like KFC? Or are you are you down with the Colonel? I do. I, I'm a I'm a big fried chicken fan. All right. Well, you know who isn't a fan of KFC or the Colonel anymore, and that's the Henshin Tigers. So this is the curse of the Colonel. Almost 30 years ago, a team called the Hanshin Tigers, Hanshin, Hanshin, Hanshin. Hanshin feels right. Okay. The the Hanshin Tigers won the Japan Series in an upset victory over the Cebu Lions. Exuberant fans took to the streets to celebrate. The party ended on a bridge overlooking the local canal where supporters plunged into the river one by one, each man shouting each player's name as he leapt from the bridge. It so happened that the number of players surpassed the number of willing jumpers. As luck would have it, there was a life-size statue of Colonel Sanders standing in front of a nearby Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurant. The crowd seized it and tossed it into the river in honor of MVP Randy Bass. And thus began a losing streak that continues to this day. In 2009, a body was spotted in the canal, and the divers went in to recover it. Instead of retrieving a corpse, however, it turned out they had rescued the torso of the desecrated Colonel Sanders statue. Fans were hopeful that recovering the statue would break the curse, but no such luck. The Tigers' losing streak continues for now. <laughs> so I, I can what? only imagine if if there were like one singular object that that Atlanta sports fans could could blame everything on like that, like what that would be like, like the I don't know the curse of the Atlanta Beltline or something like that. Well, it, you know, as as the old saying goes, you know. Everybody says, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Well, when in Japan, uh, toss Colonel Sanders off a bridge into a river and curse your baseball team. That's well, <laughs> well-known phrase in Japan. Yes, I, I say it all the time, and I'm not even it's, in Japan. Of course. I mean, it's just part of my lexicon at this point. Good word. All right. So speaking of inanimate objects that are supposedly cursed, uh, we're going to go with the curse of Captain Eddie. In 1918, New York Giants player Captain Eddie Grant became the first Major League Baseball player to die in World War I. The team honored him with a commemorative plaque at center field in New York's Polo Grounds in New York. Overseen by Captain Eddie, the Giants went on to win the World Series in 1921 and then again in 22, 33, and 54. Then, in 1957, unhappy with the, with the diminishing physical condition of the Polo Grounds, relocated to San Francisco. Captain Eddie's plaque mysteriously disappeared. Fans stormed the field after the team's last game at the Polo Grounds, and some say the plaque was looted. Others claim it was simply lost in the move. In any case, the Giants seemed to lose their mojo after they made the move to San Francisco. As decades passed with no further World Series wins, a legend sprung up that Captain Eddie had cursed the Giants. Finally, team owner Peter McGowan ordered a replacement plaque. It was installed in AT&T Stadium in 2006, and then in 2010, the Giants won the World Series. And then, of course, won it in 12 and 14 as well. So, reinstalling the uh, Captain Eddie plaque seemed to have saved the Giants, interestingly enough. In case I hadn't mentioned it on the show before, I hate the San Francisco Giants. Um, and, and I think when I, when the time finally comes for me to check, uh, AT&T or Oracle, whatever it is off of my <laughs> list of ballparks, uh, I'm going to have to take that plaque with me. I'm going to no! have to find it. 
I'm going to have to throw it into McCovey Cove uh, encased in cement or something like that. So, I mean, more than likely, it was probably lost in the move, you know? But part of me does hope that, like, that original plaque is just sitting in somebody's attic somewhere. That, like, their, their grandfather stole it, and they don't know they had it. Yes. Yeah, it's but, like, but, it's but like then again, in the walls no. in between two pieces of sheetrock or something. But then again, like, it would have turned up by now, right? You'd think. I mean, we're, well, I mean, we're talking 1957, so we're talking, like, over 60 years at this point. Like, somebody would have been like, oh, look what I found. I don't know. <laughs> it's interesting. Ooh, a piece somebody, of candy. Yeah, or somebody might just be, like, using it as a coaster or something right now. Who knows? <laughs> I, would ho- I mean, let, 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 let me let, let me say, I hope not. For the sake of Captain Eddie Grant, who was a hero. I hope not. But part of me does hope that somebody just still has it. Because it has a fun little story. Um. All right. Uh, next, we're going to move on to the AL Central for a... I didn't even realize this was a thing, but once I read about it, it actually makes a lot of sense. The Curse of Rocky Colavito. So the White Sox aren't the only team to be cursed because of greed. Now, obviously, we know the the Black Sox scandal, the curse of the White Sox. Uh, you know, they went over 80 years without a World Series win, which they, they broke in 2005. Um, but, you know, they went all the way from 1918 to 2005 without winning a World Series. Uh, so the curse of Rocky Colavito, some say, can also be traced directly back to the tight-fisted financial practices of the Cleveland Indians general manager Frank Lane. So right fielder Rocky Colavito was a star player, a, quote, real home run hitter, as reported. In the two seasons that preceded his trade in 1960, Colavito had more home runs than any player in the American League. He thought that entitled him to a raise, as most players would, but general manager Frank Lane thought otherwise and traded him to the Detroit Tigers. But maybe it's the cold-hearted way that team manager Joe Gordon broke the news to Colavito, coming up to Colavito on the field and telling him that's the last time you'll ever bat for the Indians. Colavito is still bitter about the trade to this day. He was even quoted in 2010 saying, I love Cleveland and the Indians, and I never wanted to leave. The Indians did bring Colavito back in 1965, but that move did not reverse the curse. This, Colavito maintains, is because he didn't curse the Indians, Frank Lane did. Whatever the reason, the curse remains. The Cleveland Indians haven't won a World Series title since 1948. And that remains true to this day. So, the curse of Rocky Colavito. Interesting stuff. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the small market curses don't get as much play as, like, Bambino or Billy Goat or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, those those, those poor small market curses just don't get the national recognition that, that they deserve. <laughs> they, they, they never get the ESPN specials or anything. So that has been uh that has been the spooky segment. Hope you all have a very enjoyable Halloween and have a have a good time out there. <laughs> oh God, that wasn't as scary as you thought it was. It never is. <laughs> all right, guys, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. We will be right back to listen to your voicemails. If you or someone you know has a small business, you need to check out the creators of ChattingAveragePodcast.com, Goat Web Design. These guys have everything you need to get your small business up and running with an awesome online presence. They'll create your mobile and desktop-friendly website quickly and affordably with responsive service, and most importantly, it'll look amazing. Check them out on Twitter, at Goat Web Designs, on Instagram, at Goat Web Design, or on the internet at GoatWebDesigns.com, and tell them the guys from Chatting Average sent you. Hey, do you or someone you love have a beard that could use a little TLC? 
Well, we've got some good news for you. We here at the Chatting Average Podcast have hooked up with an ambassador for a brand for just about any man, the Beard Struggle. These guys are celebrating all that is man by providing some of the best products around to get your beard ready for the big leagues. They've got everything from beard oils to balms to combs and tons of other great stuff that is perfect for getting your facial hair looking great. Check them out today at thebeardstruggle.com and use promo code AVERAGE15, that's AVERAGE15, to take 15% off of your first order, compliments of the Chatting Average podcast. Time to listen to your voicemails. As always, we really appreciate anybody who's taken the time this entire season, really, to to send us your, your comments, your questions. Uh, at the Chatting Average Hotline. If you want to send us a comment or question at any time, you can hit us up at area code 678-242-9408. So we've got one this week from our old fr- our old friend, the Blind Donkey Runner. Let's see what he's got to say. What's up, guys? It's the Blind Donkey Runner. Yes, I am very sad over the loss that the Braves were dealt by the guys who like to not participate in the war. Is that what a Dodger is? I'm confused. That's at least what I think. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> Figure out that and explain it to me later. But second of all, you guys were talking about a wrestling podcast. Now, are we talking about the wrestling that they do within the ropes? Or wrestling that they do within a circle on a mat because if we're talking about the circle on the mat i am totally down for this <laughs> and i might can help you out on some things if you need it it's been since college since i was a wrestler but i miss it and i love it and thought you guys might enjoy that too love the show by the way love sugar cookie dough that's the best one for me. You guys have an awesome week. This is the Blind Donkey Runner. Out. <laughs> Great call. No way, John. We're talking about real wrestling. You know, WWE. <laughs> John knows good and well what wrestling we were talking about. <laughs> He's been listening to this show from day one. <laughs> yeah, have you ever figured that out by now? <laughs> is he right, though? Is Is that what the Dodgers name comes from? No, I think it actually comes from uh, trolley dodgers, which was a phrase back in the early 1900s about people who weaved in and out of traffic. So, so when, when I say that I want the Dodgers to go play in traffic, what I'm really that, that, doing... That would, that, would, that would be ill-advised because they're actually good at that. <laughs> I'll have to come up with something else then. <laughs> so, yeah, they were. Uh, the OK, so let, let, let's look at the history of the names of the Los Angeles Dodgers. All right. <clears throat> they were the Brooklyn Grays, the Brooklyn Atlantics, the Brooklyn Grays again, then the Brooklyn Bridegrooms, the Brooklyn Grooms, <laughs> the Brooklyn Bridegrooms again, the Brooklyn Superbas. Then the Brooklyn Trolley Dodgers, the Brooklyn Dodgers, the Brooklyn Robins, then the Brooklyn Dodgers again, and then Los Angeles Dodgers went, once they made the move. So my, my favorite sequence in, in that list of names is the fact that they were the Brooklyn Grays, and then something else, but then the Brooklyn Grays again. Like oh, they did that. Like, they did this three times, though. Like, what? Yeah, so they went from <laughs> they went Grays Atlantic Grays, and then they went Bridegrooms Grooms Bridegrooms, and then they went Dodgers Robins Dodgers. Huh? Okay, so here, here here's a fun fact for you: they were the Brooklyn Trolley Dodgers from 1911 to 1912, and then they shortened it to the Brooklyn Dodgers just for the 1913 season. And then they were the Brooklyn Robins for, from 1914 to 1931. So for 17 years, they were the Brooklyn Robins before switching back to the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1932. That's awesome. Yeah, interesting stuff. 
which, I mean, you look at a lot of your late 1800s teams that are still around to this day, all of them went through a myriad of name changes in the early stages of their career, which is just fun to look at. I mean, we were the... We were the bean eaters at one point. <laughs> Let's right, be real yeah. here. We yeah. were the bees. I think we yeah. were the bees. Yeah, we, we were the bees. Yeah. <laughs> Fun stuff. We were the Red Stockings before the Red Sox were Red Sox. Earlier like, this season, I advocated uh, for the Braves changing their name to the Murder Hornets. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to bring that back up and see if we can get that ball rolling this time. I forgot that was a thing. <laughs> stories have started popping up about murder hornets again oh geez yeah they're they're coming we coming heaven help us <laughs> all right guys well that does it for another episode of the chatting average podcast for cam i'm alex we'll see y'all next week for another new episode <laughs> oh god With that, we've reached the end of the show. If you want to connect with the show, you can contact us via text or voicemail at 678-242-9408 or on Twitter at Average Chatting. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash chatting average. We'll see you all next week on another brand new episode of the Chatting Average Podcast.